Cricket might be New Zealand's summer game, but this season has not been a golden one for the sport. The botched sacking of a captain, a humiliating Test Series loss, claims of sabotage and internal conflict within New Zealand cricket hierarchy, and that was just the first half of the season. What is the future of the sport? We have new developments on the captaincy crisis, which is tearing apart New Zealand cricket. My Christmas coach, supported by me as CEO, feel that for us to improve in all three forms of the game it was for Ross Taylor to focus on the captaincy of the Test match. It's been a tough four or five months since Hesson's had the job. David White told me that he didn't know this was happening. Someone is not telling the truth. Correct. Did you know that Mike Hesson was going to ask Ross Taylor to, to stand down? There, there were discussions. What an extraordinary performance. They've rolled him over. The Kiwis are gone for just 45 runs. And we came over here, we fronted up to the best team in the world and we weren't capable of performing where we wanted to so obviously suffer some criticism for that. We bowled out in less than 20 overs on the first day of a test match. Having won the toss and chosen to bat first is pretty much, it has to rank amongst the most disastrous days of New Zealand cricket. It's been a tour from hell. The players will need counselling in some cases. New Zealand and Western have been the two best teams. A captain sagged just days before a test in Sri Lanka followed by allegations he was misled by the coach. The bowling coach, Shane Bond, then accusing coach Mike Hessen of sabotage in a letter to New Zealand cricket, followed by a capitulation in the Test Series against South Africa. Add to that internal conflict within the New Zealand cricket hierarchy, and it all suggests a sport in crisis. I'm Stephen Hewson, and Insight examines whether having become mired at the bottom of the world rankings... The Black Caps are destined to remain among the minnows of world cricket. The second test between England and New Zealand has finished with England in a most surprising and most devastating attack in their second inning. New Zealand's second innings have won this test by an innings and 26 runs. In 1955, the New Zealand cricket team was overwhelmed by England, all out for just 26 in their second innings of the second test in Auckland. It was the lowest total in Test history, a record which still stands today. Almost 60 years on and the Black Caps are again seeking redemption in the Test arena when they begin a three-test series against England in Dunedin this week. The fallout from Ross Taylor's sacking and the humiliation of the Test losses in South Africa still hang over the side. But despite its summer of discontent, the New Zealand Cricket Chief Executive David White maintains the sports not in turmoil. There's no question we, we could have gone through the, the, uh, the captaincy process better. There's no doubt about that and we'll learn from that as an organisation and be clearer in our communication. Does that suggest bigger problems in the organisation? Not, not only the handling of the Ross Taylor situation, I suppose you've got the Shane Bond letter, you get the results than the Test Series in South Africa. It's, it's a wider problem than what we've actually seen in the past couple of months. Well, I think it'd be fair to say that the performance of the team over a number of years now has not been consistent. And if you just drill back to South Africa, uh, we are the third team within 14 months to get bowled out for less than 50. Australia and Pakistan as well. So let's just put that into a bit of context. There's also been some very good performances. Um, you know, the Test Wing win against Sri Lanka, first time in 14 years. The first ever ODI series win against South Africa has been very positive. And I, I think that, you know, we, we're in reasonable shape. What do you make, though, of the comments about things being symptomatic of a wider of wider issues? I don't know what you mean by wider issues. I mean, over the last 12 months, I've been CEO for 12 months now. Um, it has been a period of change. Uh, we made a decision to move 
the commercial part of the business up to Auckland, and that's been successful. And I think uh, from a commercial point of view, we're heading in the right direction. One of the issues that we've got in New Zealand cricket um, is that I don't think that we have engaged or provided a vehicle for former players to be uh, to uh, voice their opinions or, or their thoughts. There is a there is a group of um, frustrated former players out there, and um, and and I don't think New Zealand cricket has maybe listened to them in the past. David White's description of a group of frustrated former players is somewhat understated. John Parker, who played for New Zealand between 1973 and 1980 is a spokesman for a group which includes former players, coaches and cricket administrators. He says his group's particularly concerned about the decision-making processes at New Zealand Cricket. Sitting on the bank at Seddon Park in Hamilton, Parker told me many of the problems stem from the New Zealand Cricket Board not having enough cricket experience. He says if there were former international players on the board, Ross Taylor wouldn't have been sacked as captain in the manner he was, and he doubts Mike Hessen will have been appointed as coach. This Taylor affair really broke the camel's back, really, and so we all decided that we should do something. And the majority of our group have got their stories of their own. You know, virch some of them nearly to court cases and some to mediation and some just disappointment and knowledge of things that have happened over the last few decades. If you've got a governance model that doesn't know the product, then all sorts of decisions emanate out of that. And I think that's the group's focus, that there are a lot of decisions may not have been made with better governance, and that's where it all stems from. If we chased you know, individual people like the coach or the CEO, well, then you're puttying holes, really. New Zealand Cricket is currently reviewing its constitution. Among the proposed changes is one to increase the number of board members from the current seven to eight. Its chairman, Chris Moller, has said all current members will resign later this year and a new board will be appointed with the proposal being that six members will be elected and two appointed. John Parker wants Cricket's six major provincial associations to have more say in those appointments, and he believes that'll lead to more cricket knowledge on the board. He says New Zealand cricket appears to have learnt little from the 1995 Hood report, which recommended sweeping changes. There is no doubt in our mind that if you had, if you had experienced appropriate cricket minds around the table this Taylor issue may not have happened until, say, the end of the English tour at least. That'd be the you, I think one question might have put the Taylor issue uh, to bed for a little while, and that is, righto, then if you want to get rid of Taylor as captain, tell me what captain in the history of world cricket has been accepted and successful within three years. And Ross Taylor only had 15 months. You know, every, question, every captain in the last 30 years has been under pressure for many reasons. One is that three or four guys in the senior part of the team all thought they should have been captain. So therefore they, there's a few undercurrents for a while at least. That's just one reason. So again, experienced minds. That's an example that experienced cricket people who have been part of two, has been senior players in a team, perhaps been captain, they actually have got more understanding when you've had 30 years out of the game of actually how it operates. Dion Nash was a member of the Black Caps from 1992 to 2002 and a confidant of Ross Taylor's during the captaincy debacle. Sitting in an Auckland cafe, Nash cites last year's appointment of coach Mike Hessen as another example of flawed processes at New Zealand cricket. The interview panel included former New Zealand captain Stephen Fleming, which Nash says was a conflict of interest as he represents Brendan McCullum as a player agent. The reality of it is, is he's the agent of at least three players. 
is in a business relationship with the guy who's gunning for captain, also in, in, involved in the IPL. So to put him then on the, you know, on a selection panel as coach, and for that to be okayed by the Players Association and then New Zealand cricket, just is beyond me. Like at no point did anyone think that that was compromised. And then, and then for someone, and then for that to be the, then defended, rather than for someone to come out and go, well actually yeah that is, that was a bad decision, was all they needed to say. And not for a moment, and I want to make this really clear, not do a moment do I think that Stephen Bingham went into that room to pick the coach that was going to get his player captain. Not a chance. If you want to go and um, canvas Stephen, and by all means go and ask him, but don't put him in an official capacity where he's on a committee, because he's got no right being there, any more than any other player agent has. The captaincy saga has highlighted problems within the senior management team of New Zealand cricket. The former Australia coach John Buchanan is the organisation's director of cricket and responsible for implementing a high performance plan across the Black Caps, the White Ferns and all age grade national sides. He's also understood to have supported Taylor retaining the Black Caps captaincy, putting him at odds with Chief Executive David White. When he took up the role a year and a half ago, he found a high-performance programme in disarray. Buchanan believes under his high-performance plan, the Black Caps can regularly make the semi-finals and finals of 2020 and one-day tournaments within three years and break into the top half of the world test rankings within five. But while watching Wellington play Canterbury at the Basin Reserve, he told me it's been difficult implementing the plan. Everything's going a lot slower than uh, you know I would like. Um, and I suppose there's a whole range of reasons for that. Um, if there was, if there was only the one, you know, then maybe that would be easily addressed. So it's just, again, I think uh, me spending more and more time trying to get people to clearly understand what high performance means. Uh, and high performance is not just about playing skills, core playing skills. I mean, that's one important element, but it is about a culture. It's about accountability, it is about honesty, it's, it's therefore that breeds trust and it breeds integrity um, and, and that's for all of us and if we have cracks in that anywhere, all that does is ensure that things like a high performance plan um, are stymied, they don't accelerate at the pace that they should and therefore performance on the field becomes one of those outcomes that, uh, as you said before, a roller coaster. John Buchanan refuses to accept results are cyclical, as to do so means accepting players have no control over their fortunes. People have to be quite accountable and quite honest in terms of what they're doing. Now, to do that, part of the issue will be that, that people actually have to understand what maybe intensity means, what real preparation means, what um, these words of accountability mean. So, so why are you struggling to get people on board? It may be just simply definitional. If I walk into a, a training session, I would maybe make an assessment that hmm, the way that this team or this individual is training is at a level which is, is nice and comfortable, but in terms of us producing a better performance for that individual, that isn't going to happen the way that they're going about what they're doing, yet that's basically what they know. If we need to play spin bowling, you've got to use your feet. We want you to, to try to attack the ball every opportunity you get. You've got to leave your crease. We want to get to the ball on the full. Yet 
what I can see there is, and I can see it all the way through up into the black caps. For some reason, New Zealand batsmen very rarely use their feet, yet that's the art of playing spin bowling. The roller coaster nature of New Zealand's cricket results at international level is not something new. New Zealand's never been a major force on the test scene, even during the halcyon days of Sir Richard Hadley and Martin Crow. During the 1970s, the New Zealand side won only three of the 44 tests they played, drawing 22 and losing 19. Even with Hadley and Crow at their peak in the 80s, New Zealand only narrowly managed to win more tests than they lost, winning 16 and losing 15 of the 58 played. But in the 90s, the winning ratio dropped back, with the side winning 16, losing 32 and drawing 32 of 80 tests. Over the past 10 years, that winning ratio has changed little, looking at captain Brendan McCullum's test career. He's played 72 tests, won 19, but the difference comes in the number he's lost, 36, exactly half. Many commentators say what's also been lost by the Black Caps is the ability to save a game, play out for a draw and deny their opposition victory. John Parker puts that down to the amount of cricket being played. And they play 20-20, which is very rarely tied, never drawn, you win or you lose. So they're used to winning and losing. And I think, quite honestly, they don't talk about draws much. I think they just pack their bags up and go on to the next game. You know, if we ever lost, we'd, you only had three tests a year, so you'd sit around and, you know, that was a disaster. And so you battled away and you battled away, and we lost a lot more than we won, but we had some doughty performances, and we always tried hard. Dion Nash believes the Indian Premier League, or IPLs, also had an impact. But he says the inability to draw test matches isn't because of a lack of talent among the Black Caps. It's well documented that we became a very good one-day side under John Bracewell. You know, that might have been a really good thing for him. Um, and, but somewhere along the line, we the slippery slope to, to, you know, the, to losing too many test matches happened in there. But if there was a, a longer-term plan and... You know, a year into into anyone's reign, that started to happen. We would have some course of action uh, and some checks and balances. All of our players are capable of batting out a draw, but the IPL came along and it became more attractive to them to you know smash hundreds than um, than to grind out a massive fifty for six hours. Dr Todd Bridgman is a senior lecturer in organisational behaviour here at Victoria University and a self-confessed cricket tragic. I've always had a real passion for the game, so I remember incidents, you know, like late at night listening to in my bed with the transistor on, commentaries from overseas, and I remember at school in Form 2 actually putting the, the cord from the transistor up on the inside of my shirt and then the earpiece in one ear uh, to avoid detection from the teacher. So I've always been, I guess, intensely interested. Dr Bridgman believes New Zealand cricket's management problems go back to 2007 and the appointment of Justin Vaughan as chief executive. He says the consistent changing of the Black Caps coach with Andy Moles, John Bracewell, John Wright and Mark Greatbatch all coming and going and the difficulties struck by Mike Hessen highlight the problem. It would certainly appear on the surface to be a very dysfunctional organisation at the moment and... I would say has been for a number of years. So dysfunctional, in fact, that Dr Bridgman is using the Ross Taylor saga as a case study for his management courses. I cannot think of a worst practice case of how to manage 
leadership and change in organisations. And because this is an organisation that has public scrutiny, unlike many corporate organisations, we've all been observers in this process. Um, but I'm interested to see that John Buchanan keeps coming back to these values of integrity and honesty and professionalism and trust, and implying rather strongly that these values are not shared amongst particular members of that organisation. And the implication that I've taken from those comments is that he's talking about very senior members of New Zealand cricket. And that is why, purely as an external observer, I think there is very strong evidence that the organisation is in a crisis and is dysfunctional in terms of its relationship amongst its senior management and board and that is inevitably going to, I would argue, filter down through the organisation. However, David White denies the organisation is in crisis. I take exception to that, actually. I, I think that um, as an organisation, as CEO, I, I think I've, I've brought about a lot of change. I think there are a lot of improvements uh, that we've made in terms of uh, the commercial side of our business, and, and these things take time. Um, I've, uh, we've, we've got quality employees. Uh, we've got a, 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 you know, a new a strategic plan that, that's... Um, it's relatively new, and um, I'm, I'm confident as, as an experienced CEO that I've got the skill set and the people around me to do the job. But Dr Bridgman says if White can't see there's a breakdown in the relationship between himself and the director of cricket, John Buchanan, it doesn't bode well for the organisation. He believes the organisation can only recover if there's an effort from all parties to be clear about what went on, if they're to forge ahead with a clean slate. Because... The story about miscommunication is simply not credible. Certainly the comments of Ross Taylor and Shane Bond would support that. And actually I would see the actions of those two as very courageous. Ross Taylor has really one potential employer in New Zealand, that's New Zealand cricket. He has played the role of a whistleblower in outing them in public. Whistleblowers take big risks and require real courage. Shane Bond as well, a recent appointment as bowling coach. He felt so strongly about these issues that he went to his lawyer to prepare a statement about what he believed really happened in that. So those two have taken real risks personally, and I would view them as very courageous in their actions. And I think give us an insight um, that the story told by Mike Hessen and supported by or accepted by David White and Chris Moller uh, is not the right one. And for me, until there is some kind of public confession of that, it's very difficult for everyone to move on. The matter will no doubt come up at a meeting of former New Zealand captains ahead of the third test against England in Auckland later this month. It's a meeting David White has instigated as he tries to placate frustrated former players. A confession of the type Dr Bridgman says is needed, though, is unlikely to be on the agenda. While he's sceptical about the gathering, former player Dion Nash says he'll be there. The cynical part of me suggests that that's a good PR move to shut everyone up, <laughs> but, but I hope it's not. Those are all the batting trophies and bowling trophies from New Zealand cricket. John Reid, who captained New Zealand to its first ever test win against the West Indies in 1956, will also be attending. I think I might have a few things to say as well. When a coach who hasn't played first-class cricket can sack a captain, I give up. You know, it's really not on. You've got to look really. You've got to look at the board, and uh, they should have some cricketers on the board. Um, I'm I'm afraid that's uh, that's what it is. You know, you've got to have 
you know, who 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 in our t top five batting order are going to take any notice <clears throat> of a coach who hasn't played first class cricket? John Parker, who led the side in just one test in 1976, will also go, but he doesn't believe it's the appropriate forum to raise his group's concerns. However, Parker and Reid's calls for more former cricketers to be on the New Zealand Cricket Board are endorsed by Dr Bridgman. New Zealand cricket is just one in a number of sports organisations and public sector organisations that have become infatuated with business thinking. Sports organisations like New Zealand cricket are not a business in the sense of their primary goal being to maximise profit. And I think with this infatuation with private sector thinking and this belief or lack of confidence amongst people in sport uh, to run their organisations well, or maybe a lack of trust. I mean, this is probably a bigger issue. It seems like uh, we now distrust people who have been closely involved in the sport because of some perception that they're mired in the internal politics of the game and have some vested interest. You know, the analogy might be we no longer trust doctors to make professional judgments in our hospitals and we need to have business people come and run them. So it's almost like these days that uh, knowledge of the game and experience in the game is seen as a disadvantage and therefore let's get these business people, these outsiders in and come and look at things um, uh, with unaffected eyes. And I think the problem if you do that is that you do not understand the context. You cannot simply apply a business way of thinking to a sports organisation because sports organisations are different in a number of respects and it's understanding that context that is critical and I'm dismayed by the number of leaders of sports organisations that make public pronouncements about the fact their organisations are businesses because as a, as a fan of not just cricket but also rugby and a number of other sports that is alienating It's practice night at the Upper Hutt United Cricket Club and afterwards in the club rooms, discussions inevitably turn to the fortunes of the Black Caps. These are the people Dr Bridgman believes are being alienated from the game. They need to get rid of Hitson and they just need to do a whole restructuring of New Zealand. You look at the past great players though, they've all had the greats before them have coached them. Who's the great players now that are in the coaching? You know, we remember the good times in the 80s, but there wasn't... They were brief periods. You know, there were a lot of times when Hadley got smashed, and if he didn't get wickets, there was just nothing else. Well, I don't think we have open batters. They need a rigger. He's Ross not, Taylor. He's, he's a superstar. He's a million-dollar player for IPL. Yeah, yeah but that's Hadley, the difference. The, it's IPL. Hadley's you know. the top ten players of all time. We don't have someone of that status. I mean, we only had we had one player in the, the 50s. And, we had one player in the 40s and 50s. That was Sutcliffe. Mm. We had one player in the 60s, and that was uh, John, John Reed. Reed. And then we had Richard Hadley, and to be and to be brutally honest, Martin Crowe was an acceptable batsman, but he wasn't the best in the world. Players the just don't occupy the crease long enough, mate. I they don't know how to what, stay there long what, enough. What, what, I say bring Chris Martin back in for Patel, because Patel can't bat. At least Chris Martin stands there and flipping all the and faces and, up. And, I think you'd always find bowlers that can come in and get wickets and do the job, but the fact mm. is we need a solid batting line. As negative as it may sound. Start off with a draw. Don't go out for the win. I, know I shouldn't say this. I've got a glimmer of hope for the future because I, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen more promising quicks. You know, we can probably get another safe. The Black Caps' fortunes appear to mirror the state of club cricket. Club captain's report. You know, 
um, playing numbers, and it's really, really slim at the moment. Paul Chandler is the chairman of the Upper Hutt United Cricket Club. He says there's a realisation by the major associations that clubs need more support, but concedes the sport faces a difficult future at club level. We're struggling to um, to keep cricketers in the game, you know, from junior through to colleges and then into the senior club. And um, you know, we, you know, the days are gone. We've gone by where you could, you know, be 12 players coming to the club every season. You're lucky if you get one or two now. And uh, certainly a drop off in the standard of players. So, so I think you know part of that is there's a lot of demographic stuff going on, but also. Uh, Boys and girls have got choices, and um, you know when the top team's struggling, you know it may generate a lot of uh, talk around the um, the water cooler, but um, it doesn't necessarily translate into into more kids playing the game. What do you make of the sport's future? Difficult, I think. Um, if you know if our clubs represented with that, you know we're seeing the numbers drop off, you know over over the course of you know I don't know it's 30 years I've been involved with this club. You know we're trying to reconnect with the community, so I think we're trying to do our little bit. I think. Um, you know, some of the initiatives Cricket Wanted have done, they are concerned. You know, we've always had a very strong junior base here and I think that's important. So as long as you know, the junior and the senior clubs and the colleges are working proactively together, I think we'll be OK. But, you know, I do worry about a lot of other clubs. The New Zealand Cricket Chief Executive David White accepts clubs are finding it difficult, but he says cricket's not alone. People want, want, want a quick fix. They want to do something in their own time. It, it is a challenge and... You know, our major associations are working very closely with the clubs, um, you know, to ensure that they get some resource. But it is a challenge. And to keep people committed to a period of time is difficult. That, that's why there's innovative approaches like having, um, you know, extension of the T20 business class leagues during the week. You know, not everyone wants to play cricket on a Saturday or Sunday. So there's leagues that are, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night now. And that's fantastic. Maybe we have to do things a little bit differently. Um, and as long as we've got people playing the game, um, but, but you're not. The concern would be surely as you're losing the serious club players, from which obviously then feed into your, your provincial teams. The difficulty is now that you don't have older players playing club cricket, just like rugby is now. You know, cl- the, the age of club rugby players, you know, 21, 22, 23 year olds. It's the same as cricket. It's the same as football. It's the same as all other sports. And it's difficult to maintain those older people in the club environment. It is a challenge. So cricket's undoubtedly a sport undergoing change, and if not in crisis at the top level, it's very much in turmoil. Expectations are the Black Caps' fortunes won't change against England in the upcoming Test Series, but the Director of Cricket, John Buchanan, hopes the past few months will eventually be seen as a turning point. It's a bit like the teacher in the classroom. You know, the, the one misdemeanour by, by somebody in the class... The teacher then says, right, the whole class is kept in until we sort this out. Or, you know? So that's where hopefully we can get to, that the misdemeanours are not such that the public, the stakeholders, say, well, here we go again, because there are so many people doing so many good things across the board, black caps all the way through the organisations, down to all our volunteers. You know? So hopefully, yes, you know, this is the watershed, and come Cricket World Cup, we can deliver something that's pretty special. I'm Stephen Houston, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by William Saunders.